listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program and so much to get through over the next hour. We're going to keep you up to date with what's going on, not only at City Hall, with a live interview with John Tory coming up in just a few minutes. The mayor will join me on the line. He is in self-isolation, as you likely know. The premier updating the province with some new announcements just a short time ago. And of course, at one o'clock, we are expecting the prime minister to address the nation. All of that we will carry here on Global News Radio throughout the course of the day. We want to keep you informed. We want to tell you what's happening, but yet also give you some context, some context on what we think might happen next. Because so many people are wondering, what is it that is next? We've heard all of the cancellations. We are seeing in a number of places in the world, a number of jurisdictions saying, Close down the bars, close down the restaurants in New York City. They have gone with that, ordered that already, just takeouts only. Will other stores be closed? All of this because weighing on us and trying to, as we plan forward, how is it that we will continue over the next week or two? What will life be like? How do we have to be prepared? The other thing that we're going to talk about is social distancing because it is so important. I I know that this weekend I was out and about, you know, just in the park, not indoors at all, and I saw a lot of people, and my wife was down on Queen Street and the beaches. The stores were full. Restaurants were full. We've seen reports of, you know, nightclubs full. We'll talk about why that is so important that we get a hold on that. All of that is coming up here on the Alan Carter radio program as we keep you up to date. But let's begin with what Doug Ford, and he has just wrapped up a press conference at Queen's Park this morning, and he said a number of things. One of the key things is that there is new legislation coming forward, and what he said was that it will ensure that no worker will lose their job as a result of having to go into self-isolation because of showing symptoms of COVID-19. There are a lot of technical questions about how that actually will work. There was a technical question about how does that actually get passed, because it is legislation, which means that it has to go through all of the hoops that any regular legislation would go through. And right now, the House is not sitting. It is scheduled not to sit this week. And, of course, with social distancing, how do you get all the MPPs back in a room to vote it, And the premier, when asked about that, said, well, I've been in contact with the members of the opposition, with Andrea Horvath. He mentioned that Stephen Del Duca, the new liberal leader, was at Queen's Park, and uh, the premier talking with him. We don't know how technically that is all going to work, but that is coming. Let's get you to the numbers, because 32 is the number. And less and less the number specifically, whether it's 30 or 32, is not so important in terms of the number of cases daily. And we get this new number Uh, at about 10.30 in the morning. The the thing that I want to note here is that yesterday it was 39, and the day before that it was in the low 20s, and before that, you know, in the same kind of range. So we have not seen an exponential jump in the last couple of days. The question is, still for the Medical Officer of Health, and we will get this update coming up, is whether or not we are prepared to say that there is community transfer. That will be so important, and that will be so important with determining what the medical officer of health has to say next about whether or not bars, restaurants, and other stores should be shut down. Dr. Williams was asked specifically a number of times just in the last half an hour, why are we not doing that? Should we not just do that now out of an abundance of caution? What he said is that we are not there now. 
We are not there now. Keep in mind that means that we could be there in a big hurry. And I think I say that because we must be prepared mentally for what might come. The Premier also had this to say about what is happening at the airport. You may have heard reports of this, that people just coming back through the airport from other places, Canadians coming in, whether they're returning from home, not being told specifically that they need to self-isolate, others coming into the country, the border is still open. Here's Doug Ford this morning, just a short time ago, with a message for the federal government. We need the federal government to tighten up the border, ensure the proper screening, and protocols are being enforced and be prepared to take even greater steps. That is Premier Doug Ford speaking at Queen's Park just a short time ago, said he was disturbed by what he heard. I want to go to here to jump ahead, if I could, to number three here on our list, because this is also another question about what Premier Ford is thinking in terms of what the steps should be next, keeping in mind that closing the borders is a federal jurisdiction. He was asked specifically, would he be okay with that kind of action, closing the border to the United States? Uh, I'd be okay with closing the borders to visitors, uh, not to trading commerce. Not to trading and commerce. He said yes to closing the border with visitors, but then basically threw it right back to the federal government saying this is a federal jurisdiction. Let's take us to the stores, shall we? Have you been to a grocery store? Sheba Siddiqui is my producer and is with me. Sheba, have you done any shopping over the last 72 hours? I have not, but my husband has been in and out of the grocery store. And what is he, what has he reported? Uh, it's busier than usual, but we live in a pretty quiet area, so... There is not the chaos. I sent him to Costco last week, and I thought he was going to file for divorce when I came home that day. Uh, he left. He walked in. He said, sent me a picture, and he walked right out. You know, you, you joked uh, last week on the program when we were talking about, you know, the, the amount of people that are going to be working from home and self-isolating. You, you said baby boom in nine months. I think divorce boom in nine months. I, I agree with you. I think divorce lawyers are just licking their chops right now <laughs> because the reality is that, you know, we're all going to be in some pretty close quarters. We're uh, going to be trapped in a house with each other. Uh, but I, I want to just address uh, the empty store shelves because we have seen so many photos on uh, social media. I, I haven't been out to the stores. I'm planning to go out today just because simply I need things. I just, we are out of some staples. You know, it's not dire, but I, I'm going to have to go. Here's Doug Ford uh, talking about precisely that this morning. There's no need, I emphasize this, there's no need to rush out to stores and to panic buy and hoard essential items that we will need. I've personally spoken to the vast majority of major retailers in Ontario, and they've assured me that our supply chain is currently able to handle the additional pressure. So the supply chain, Sheba, is able to handle the pressure, but nevertheless, there is this you know, heightened concern amongst everyone that, man, if I don't get it now, you know, it just might not be there. I think it's fight or flight. I think it's human nature where many of us are in a panic. This is unprecedented. And hopefully we can all start thinking about our neighbors and each other as well, which I, I know I'm seeing a slow turn in that as well. But our initial reaction is to save ourselves. The world is ending. 
I'm just noticing that uh, Dr. Gabrasis is speaking at a WHO uh, conference right now. I'm just noticing on that. See if uh, she was going to try and get us to that because the WHO currently is holding a news conference. Dr. Gabrasis is updating people, and it will be the same. Let's go to for, that now. This Mexico. is live. And we hope to see uh, progress in the whole of government approach, all of society approach, and make sure, making sure that this is everybody's business. That's how we can stop this virus. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Ryan. Would you like to add something? That is Dr. Tedros Cabrasis saying that the world uh, needs to amp no, up uh, its uh, testing. Sorry, I think uh, uh, Dr. Tedros said it's right on the spot. Thank you very much. Please uh, jump in anytime you want. Uh, I will go now to a question that we received uh, via text. Uh, it's uh, Henrietta uh, Haynes, and I'm sorry if I don't pronounce well. This The question is for Maria. And uh, it's, uh, it says, Maria, would Maria be able to comment on the new aerosol study and various surface studies, or possibly provide a general update on what do you know today? That's from uh, Henrietta Haynes from Norway, NTB, and The Journal. So Henrietta, thank you for that, um, that question. That highlights the evidence-based nature of our organization and what we are trying to do in terms of making uh, guidance for all countries. And we try to pull together all available evidence on different topics. This one that you've mentioned about the role of virus persistence on surfaces and the potential for the virus to remain in the air. So we are aware of several studies um, that have been published, that are in the process of being published, and that are currently underway in labs in a number of countries that have looked at different environmental conditions in which the virus could persist, looking at maybe different humidity or different temperature, um, UV light, uh, and that have looked at different surfaces, such as steel, you know, hard, hard surfaces. Um, and looking at the new virus, the new COVID-19 virus, as it compares to other uh, coronaviruses like SARS or like MERS or the common cold coronaviruses that are that are circulating, um, and there is a recent study that came out that looked at the role of aerosol generating procedures. Um, that that could how would those viruses? As you know, um, this is a virus that is transmitted through droplets, and so these are little pieces of um, liquid that come out of people's noses and mouths if they cough or they sneeze and they talk. And what we know about droplet transmission is that when they they come out of an infected person an individual, is they go a certain distance, but then they settle. And so that's why we have the distance of the one to two meters apart from individuals. But when you do an aerosol generating procedure, like in a medical care facility, you have the possibility to what we call aerosolize these particles, which means they can stay in the air a little bit longer. Um, and in that situation, in healthcare facilities, it's very important that healthcare workers take additional precautions when they're working on patients and doing those procedures. But you are listening to a live update from the World Health Organization talking about, and I found that, found that very interesting there, some of that research right now trying to figure out how does the virus survive on what surfaces. And it, it sounds like at this point our understanding of that still continues to change. And that this leads me to my next point, which is we don't understand really at this point from a scientific point of view how well can it survive on things like play structures? This is not something I had considered on the weekend. And if you have young kids, I want to take you through something that I went through this weekend as an evolution of my understanding 
as we went into, we're not self-isolating, but we're trying to social distance and be responsible. Started off on Saturday with, well, you know, maybe my son's friend can come over and they can play some video games. That's just one kid coming over. That's not, I mean, that's, that, that's not going to a play center. That's not a daycare. That's not a school. I, I, I quickly disavowed myself of that. Because the reality is, is that you want to keep your social interactions, and, and if you think of your family unit as a pod, think of it as an individual pod and, and how it touches other pods. So keep your social distance as much as possible. And then f- from there, you know, my son and I, we, we went to the, the playground. We played around a little bit. You know, we had to get out. We played some basketball and stuff like that. And we know we kept our distance from everybody else. But then, you know, I wondered to myself, well, you know, there's not exactly anybody out here, you know, hosing down this play structure. And is that a concern? And then, you know, you you sort of think to yourself, well, maybe let's just err on the side of caution as much as possible. The, The fact is, is that, you know, as this evolves, what we have to really be clear about is, you know, what are we going to do personally? What's our personal responsibility. Not because we're worried about getting it, but we're possibly worried about if we got it, could we pass it on? And we have to keep that social distance. Welcome back to the program. Without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Mayor John Tory, who is in self-isolation, but is continuing to conduct, conduct city business. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm wondering how you are. I'm great. I mean, I'm 100% healthy as far as I know. And, you know, the idea behind the self-isolation, which we really have to ask people who are coming back from outside the country, as I did, to do, uh, is a precautionary thing. In case the symptoms which can come up within 14 days come up with me, then I'm not spreading it around in the meantime. So hopefully people will follow the recommendations that have been made by our health officials. And that's what I'm doing. But I feel fine. And I'm very, very busy uh, trying to help provide some leadership on this crisis. You're talking about, you talked about uh, returning and putting yourself in self isolation, the Premier said within the last hour that he is uh, concerned about what he is seeing and hearing about at the border and has urged the federal government to act faster. What's your perspective? My sense is they're heading in that direction. I talked to a number of federal ministers yesterday and to the Deputy Prime Minister, and I think they understand that uh, what we really have to do is do a better job amplifying our message about people who are coming back to Canada, because I think a lot of people who left on spring break won't know that this recommendation to self-isolate affects them, and that only this will only work in terms of stopping the spread of the virus if everybody follows it. And I think then there arises the question, which I expect we'll hear more about, uh, of uh, other people who are coming to Canada that are not turning Canadians, because the majority of the cases at the moment, Alan, are coming from uh, imported sources as opposed to arising inside the country. So um, I think we'll hear more about that today, but we'll await uh, hearing from uh, the Prime Minister. Uh, your major announcement this morning was a economic support and recovery task force. In it, you pledge substantial relief for businesses. Can you give me more details on that? Well, we're starting with the fact that, uh, you know, we were saying to businesses, for bills you have to pay to the city, we will allow a grace period, which can be extended. So we're just saying, you know, because a lot of the biggest bills people 
pay are to governments. Uh, HST, for example, is not our domain, but we are saying to the other governments, please let these restaurants and other businesses affected by this know that the very onerous penalties uh, charged for paying your HST late will be waived, and I hope they do that. We've said for property and commercial taxes, the same will be true. We will uh, have a grace period for that because, uh, you know, these businesses are without the cash coming from their customers, and where are they supposed to get the money to pay their taxes? Uh, Similarly, we've said to landlords, uh, you know, please, if your tenant is a small business uh, in a commercial premises, please give them some indulgence on the payment of rent because, again, they're not taking in revenue and they can't pay these things. And so beyond that, we're going to set up a significant contingency fund for the city, recognizing we don't have the financial resources that the other governments do. And I'm starting at 1 o'clock today extensive consultation with uh, businesses, film, uh, tourism, hospitality, tech, and so on, to ask them, how should that $10 billion the federal government has set aside be allocated in such a way that will help you? And the idea is to help in the short term and the medium term so we can get back on our feet as soon as possible, but also help in the meantime people who are really struggling. The, the Premier was also asked about evictions today, and I note that you mentioned you know, you know, tenants, uh, business tenants, and all the rest. I mean, can we go further than an ask? Is there, is there something more concrete that a level of government can do? Well, I notice in Los Angeles, uh, they, the city there, which has responsibility and, uh, and oversight on this, has said they will just not allow those evictions to take place during a crisis like this, and I think that's the right approach to take. Will you uh, do look, that? We're starting in a lot of areas with asking people not to do this, and you've got to hope most Torontonians, would, landlords and otherwise, would do the thing that was right for their city and right for their tenants and right for themselves. But, uh, you know, I think we've got to keep a very close eye on that on a very short-term basis, and if people are not... Uh, you know, following along that kind of approach, then I would think it would be appropriate to legislate that during this time, people should not be evicted. I mean, it's just one of those things where we don't have the capacity right now to be focused on that and helping those people out when we're trying to stop the spread of this virus and keep people healthy and, you know, deal with the economy and all the damage that's being done to that. Uh, if I could just ask about the money just briefly, uh, the the cash that I know, and we don't know how much at this point, but is that coming out of the city reserve fund? Or where are you getting that exactly? Well, the the good news about Toronto is that it's extremely uh, stable in terms of its financial situation. Part of that is the law that says we can't borrow, we can't run a deficit, so that's good. I like that law. But we also have right now $6 billion in reserves for various things. We have $290 million of that available to us, uh, and it's for different kinds of purposes. And we also had a significant enough surplus last year that I'm confident we will be able to find the money we need uh, to join the other governments in helping people and businesses without impairing city services. So that's got to be the objective, and that's thanks to the fact that we've been very careful with how we've you know, kind of run the government, and we're in that position where we can have that flexibility, and that's what a rainy day fund is for. So we'll be uh, using it, I'm sure, to help people and businesses get through this crisis. The medical officer of health was asked a number of times within the last hour if he is planning on closing bars and restaurants, sort of measures that we've seen in other jurisdictions not too far away from the GTA. Do you think that is coming? I do, uh, and I think it's coming only because a large portion of the private sector in the restaurant business, in the hospitality business, have acted on their own because they know it doesn't contribute 
to stopping the spread of this virus for them to be having large crowds of people gather. And I hate to be a humbug about this, Alan, but I would say that extends to, unfortunately, St. Patrick's Day celebrations. Why don't we just decide that part of the celebration of coming out of this thing will be to have St. Patrick's Day on May 17th instead of on March 17th or some date later off into the future, because it just doesn't make sense in terms of what we're trying to achieve to have hundreds of people gathered in bars tomorrow, as much as it's a good time. Uh, you know, so I think you're going to find that the commentary from us, uh, you know, as, as early as today will be to say, please, uh, you know, restaurant and the bar and nightclub and theater businesses uh, do the right thing, which many of your colleagues have already done, uh, to uh, close or to curtail yourself to delivery and uh, uh, pickup, for example, uh, just in the interest of stopping the spread of this virus. And frankly, people should accompany that by staying home. You know, St. Patrick's Day uh, can be celebrated. I'll have a little more trouble celebrating here by myself and hoisting a pint. But people can hoist a pint at home and have a good time with their families and thus contribute to the solving of this real health care crisis at but the same time. don't you have the authority to order that? And will you do that? I mean, if the Medical Officer of Health doesn't say that it should be done, will you do it anyway? I think that you'll find that uh, she'll address some of that this afternoon. But remember, when you issue orders, when you issue orders, especially that are blanket orders, you then have uh, uh, accompanying that a responsibility to uh, enforce compliance. And, you know, quite frankly, if you said, do we have, you know, 500 or 300 inspectors that are having the time on their hands these days to be going out and making sure these restaurants are closed, that's a big challenge for us. So what you start off with is saying to people, please, be a responsible business, be a responsible citizen. Stay home if you're a citizen. If you're a business, please close or curtail your activities. And I think, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. And we're seeing so far very good compliance on the part of people uh, and on the part of... Uh, so, you know, that's why you hear your recent traffic report, I heard, saying that traffic is much lighter. That's why we were told this morning that wheel trans uh, bookings are down 40%. That's why people noticed the subway was less crowded, because people are following the advice of our healthcare professionals and doing the right thing. And that includes both businesses and uh, people. And if I would add one more thing, it's that companies should, if they haven't already, and many have, say to their employees, we not only are advising or hoping you'll work from home, we're telling you or or requesting you work from home wherever possible because then those people, too, are not uh, congregating in groups and are helping us to contain the spread of this virus, which is the best way to do it. I noticed last night that a rumor made the rounds pretty widely, so much so that it actually showed up on my phone, somebody saying that someone, you know, somebody inside of your office had said that the shutdown of all stores would come somewhere in the middle of the night. And I noticed that you tweeted late last night to, you know, say that is not true, that's a rumor. Two things. One, what kind of lead time do you think people would get for an order like that, which would shut everything down? Uh, And two, how do we combat what you tried to combat last night, which is these rumors kind of going wildly around the city. Well, there are lots of rumors around, and many of them have proven to be utterly unfounded. And the way I'm combating it is to be as straightforward as I try to be in interviews with people like yourself, but also to tweet things out when it's not true, just to say this is not true. And I had been hearing these rumors all day and had talked to the other two governments, as I'm doing on a very regular basis, and they just said it wasn't true. And so I think it's important for people like me and other leaders just to say not true. Uh, And with respect to the question of notice, I guess 
you know, I would only say that for my part, as one leader of one government, uh, that I would be in favor of giving people as much notice as you can, but sometimes the urgency of these situations requires you to act very quickly. So I think it's always better if you can give people notice so things can happen in an orderly fashion. Uh, but I would just say to you, the most important thing is people should rely on official sources, the websites of the city, the website of the province, the website of the federal government, and rely on what they see, heads of those governments and senior officials like the medical officer of health saying instead of relying on uh, you know, social media rumors. We have seen other jurisdictions start putting aside areas for hospitals. We're seeing hospitals now being built in Italy very quickly. You know, we obviously we saw that in Wuhan as well. Do you have areas of the city set aside that you're like you're eyeing right now? Okay, well, that if we have to go to expanded uh, care centers, that that's the one. Well, I think what you do see happening in Toronto, and of course this is the domain of the of the provincial government, the healthcare system, is these, I think they're called assessment sites, and uh, the idea behind that is to make sure that people who are in some doubt, and by the way, people should be very careful at not rushing down if they have a sniffle or even if they just think it would be good for them to know they didn't have uh, the virus, because in fact, if you don't have any symptoms and you get tested, the results can be meaningless. So I would just say people should be careful, because what we don't want to do is overwhelm the system. The entire objective of everything we're doing by social distancing and having things closed, a lot of things we've closed as a city, and now you know moving to ask other people to close as they're doing, is to uh, limit, as they say, flatten the curve so that we don't have a steep curve up of how many people are getting the virus. And so I think part of that as well is people not uh, taking up a spot to get tested or otherwise to be dealt with if there's really not a serious uh, chance that they have the virus. And there's a self-assessment tool the Ontario government uh, very commendably put up on their website uh, where you can go and answer a series of questions and then it'll tell you, uh, do you need to go see somebody? There's telehealth. There's a hotline that the Toronto Public Health people have. So there's all kinds of places people should go other than to an emergency room and take up a spot that they maybe don't have to take up. In fact, it's probably likely they don't if they just follow these procedures first. Uh, I want to move back to the border again because I, I was just reminded that the Premier said that he would be in favor of the border being closed. Do you have a position on that? If the federal government announced that the border uh, should be closed, and I think Premier Ford talked about business perhaps carrying on so that the movement of goods back and forth could continue, because again, part of the supply problem on the shelves of the stores because of uh, panic buying, you know, has to be remedied by truckloads of things, and a lot of that comes back and forth across the border. So I sort of uh, take the same kind of position as he does, which is that if there are further restrictions placed on um, people coming to the country who are not, you know, from from our own country, uh, I think that might be something that the government would be taking a look at the federal government, and I would support it if they did. Uh, with respect to the continuation of business, I would support that too, simply because a lot of the things that are coming back and forth are not widgets that people don't care about, but are very much needed medical and health supplies and, uh, you know, products that people need to cope with this virus. So I think some kind of a pragmatic but, uh, you know, very clear solution would be good, uh, but I guess we'll hear from them as to what they're doing because it's their domain, and, uh, you know, I've had many conversations with them about different things they're doing, and uh, ultimately we'll We'll hear from them uh, when they decide. And, and if you could address the panic buying. Well, I would just say this. You know, five bottles of hand sanitizer is probably going to be enough no matter how often you put it on your hands to last you for a period of time. Uh, if you take 25, you are taking 20 off the shelf that uh, four of your uh, neighbors uh, could have. And, and I think that the way Torontonians and Canadians act is to sort of think about the other people, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, and, and there's no need. There, there is supply coming in. We just lifted the bylaw that prevents overnight deliveries to stores uh, to keep noise down. We've lifted that for this uh, crisis period. 
period so that uh, shelves can get restocked, deliveries can be made at all hours of the day and night. Um, and I think people should have confidence that, you know, we're hearing from the businesses that are involved here that they can restock their shelves, but that that will be helped along by people not panic buying. I mean, maybe you think you need 50 rolls of toilet paper, but you don't need 200. And the 150 you leave on the shelf will be there for your neighbors to have. Uh, and, and I just hope people can act in a considerate way uh, that way uh, so that we can all get through this uh, as best we can. Mayor, I appreciate you being so generous with your time. I'll ask you a final question. Uh, things have changed so drastically in the last couple of days, and it's hard to keep up. And I think the whole city is reeling as they try and digest the news that comes sometimes not day, to, day by day, but almost minute by minute. Give me a sense of what your estimation of what is coming next and how we will get through it as a city. Well, the, the latter part is the more important, Alan, which is that we will get through it if we work together. And that means businesses acting in some of the ways I've said, you know, letting employees work from home, perhaps mandating that, uh, treating employees properly by saying, look, if you have to stay home to look after your kids when the schools are closed, we will pay you and keep your job. And on it goes from there. Landlords allowing small businesses to defer the payment of their rent. People uh, can do the most as individuals, uh, you know, in the collective way by not going out, staying home, by not going to places where the public are congregating, uh, and so uh, by self-isolating if you've been traveling. So I just think in the end we can uh, do what they've told us is the real primary short-term objective, which is flattening out the curve so that we don't have the numbers steeply rising every day, but rather they start to flatten out. And with respect to what they tell us, I will only say that we have these conference calls, as you might expect, multiple times in a day. And they've said from very early on that you're going to see an increase such as we're seeing in these cases, but that that's why we're doing all the things we're doing, closing day camps, you know, closing everything down, encouraging people to close down so that that increasing curve will flatten out. And that's what we're trying to do, and that's what we need people's cooperation with. And if that's the case, then this will not be over tomorrow morning, but it will get over, and we can all get back to living a healthy life and to having business do well, as was happening in Toronto before, um, and uh, having things uh, reopen and return to normal. John Tory, Mayor of Toronto, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Alan. Thanks very much for having me. All right, uh, a long interview there with John Tory and some good information for you, some perspective for you, and you heard the mayor say that he does expect that bars and restaurants and likely all shops will be ordered closed. He won't be surprised by that. We're not there yet, and you heard that from the medical officer of health within the last 90 minutes in a press conference at Queen's Park, was asked a number of times about that and sort of just said, we're just not there yet. Uh, the Medical Officer of Health for Toronto will have an update later on today. And, of course, at 1 o'clock today, we have the Prime Minister who will address the nation. And there was quite a bit of speculation yesterday, especially after some of the ministers, some of the Canadian ministers sort of said, well, you know, we're making, we're going to announce big decisions, big moves tomorrow, that there will be significant changes announced at the top of the hour. So stay with Global News Radio for that. We will bring that to you. When we come back on the Alan Carter Radio program, we are going to talk about healthcare workers specifically. And we're going to take you to Markham, to the Markham Stouffville Hospital. The CEO and president there, Joanne Marr, will join me live on the line to talk about whether or not frontline healthcare workers, the doctors and the nurses, do they have enough in terms of personal protection equipment? There's a lot of stories going around, a lot of concern amongst doctors that they just don't have what they need.
Welcome back. A quick look at some of the headlines from around the world on COVID-19. Bars, restaurants, and movie theaters are being shuttered in three U.S. states on the East Coast as of 8 p.m. tonight. The British government is asking manufacturers, including Ford and Rolls-Royce, to quickly start making ventilators to treat COVID-19 patients. The Netherlands has recorded its biggest daily jump in the number of infections, 278 new cases confirmed in the last 24 hours. Germany is set to follow other European countries in shutting non-essential shops, bars, museums, and many other facilities. And Iran has reported a record rise of 129 fatalities from coronavirus. There are 15,000 confirmed cases in Iran. Joanne Marr is president and CEO of Markham Stouffville Hospital, and Markham Stouffville Hospital is in the process of opening a new assessment center for COVID-19. It is expected to open on Wednesday, I believe. Joanne joins me on the line. Am I right in that? Good morning, and that's absolutely correct. We will be opening our assessment center Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, and that will be uh, open for referrals from uh, primary care uh, clinicians, from public health, and also for walk-in patients. The number that I'm reading now from the province is 10,178 tests have been approved for COVID-19. The lessons from around the world means you must test, test, test. Do we have enough tests? So that is a great question. And of course, as uh, the rest of us, we are worried like everyone else about the number of supplies. Right now, we have sufficient supplies available for the numbers of patients and uh, healthcare workers that we are seeing and testing. But yes, we remain concerned about the ongoing need for supplies. Speaking of supplies, there have been anecdotal reports from healthcare workers that the personal protection equipment is just not there. What's the experience at your hospital? So that's a great question, and understandably, um, our staff remain anxious and concerned. Today, we have the necessary supplies, but uh, as I mentioned, we continue to uh, monitor our supplies and equipment on a daily basis and uh, make sure that we have stockpiles available. But that remains a concern, I expect, just like everyone else. Do you have a sense of how much you have in terms of supply and you know stored away? We have uh, we have a, a stockpile available so that we can meet our daily quotas, which have been increased in all of our clinical areas and additional supplies available in uh, in uh, critical areas like the emergency department. And so we are uh, on top of that on a daily basis throughout the day. But again, we are uh, always concerned that we will have those necessary supplies. So through the appropriate channels, we are are making sure that the, the province and other providers are aware that we need to maintain an ongoing um, and consistent supply. I'm speaking with Joanne Marr, who is president and CEO of Markham Stouffville Hospital. Give me a sense of what the assessment center will look like. What will it be like for people who go there when it opens on Wednesday? So the, uh, the direction we've had is that our assessment centers should be close to, but not necessarily in the hospital for obvious uh, safety reasons and precautions. 
We are opening and have decanted a trailer that is very close to the hospital, very close to the hospital doors, as well as very proximal to the emergency department. So, um, and we will also be um, erecting a number of uh, tents so that we can uh, safely assess um, whatever patients uh, come to us and that we can, if required, uh, they can, they can be uh, swabbed as well and then sent on their way. And how are you ensuring, especially at this point when that assessment center is not yet open, how are you ensuring that people are just not going into the ER and potentially infecting others? So that's a great question, and in fact, many patients who have concerns or those that are sick are coming to our emergency departments. That is the case in every hospital in, in the province and beyond, as we, uh, we understand. We have very strict um, uh, monitoring and precautions available as people enter our emergency department. They are triaged. There are people there screening, uh, wearing protective equipment, um, and patients then are directed if they have any symptoms to an appropriate area so that they are not in contact with other uh, patients and visitors who are waiting for treatment. Uh, e- ERs tend to be overwhelmed even on the best of times. What What is it like in the ER in your hospital? As it is in many hospitals, I think they are extremely uh, busy. And uh, I would say at this time that um, th- uh, we should uh, send out, and I send out a big thank you to our staff and our physicians because everybody were, is working extremely hard to uh, as frontline caregivers to um, provide the best possible uh, care and uh, best possible advice for those we serve. Joanne Marr is president and CEO of Markham Stouffville Hospital. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. So keep in mind, if you think you have come down with a cold or you think you're exhibiting exhibiting, um, symptoms, go online and just, I mean, don't just go to Google and click on the first thing you see. Go to the Ontario.ca website. There is a list there. It tells you precisely what you should do. Whether you should self-isolate, at what point do you think that you should actually go and get tested? That is a decision you will have to make based on your assessment of your symptoms. So make sure you do that. Go online, educate yourself. Catherine McDonald is our Global News crime reporter, recently returned from Whistler, and is working today and is out in the community and joins me on the line. Hi, Catherine. Hi. What are you seeing? Well, I've been uh, talking to parents who are out and about with their children, uh, many of them who had planned uh, trips or ski trips, vacations, canceled. And, uh, you know, they're taking it in stride, but they are keeping uh, social distance at the parks. We were at a park just now where we saw a father and his two children. They were doing uh, burpees and drills up and down the steps of Allenby Public School and uh, another mother who's a teacher, she, was, she said, I was planning to take this time off anyway with my kids. And, um, you know, the kids are, some of them, very disappointed. The camps are canceled. They can't go to the zoo. They can't go to the programs they had hoped to do. But, um, you know, it's a sunny day, and life is going on. And I think one of the things you and I know is when you see the world through our children's eyes, uh, it's important that you do stay positive because it is emotionally a difficult time, and if we're panicked, then I think our children feel that. 
And yeah, I know and you were you, you have two young kids, and, and my kids are just a little bit older than yours. And you know, just over the course of this weekend alone, um, you know, w- it was it was a struggle for all of us. I think you know to to tamp down you know the sense of bewilderment about what's going on and to be remain calm, but also to explain that, you know, there are things we have to just do differently from now on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's made me a calmer person because if I am hysterical and I'm panicky, my kids are going to feel that. And, you know, uh, we just traveled back from Vancouver, as you know, yesterday, our flight was delayed. Uh, It was canceled and then delayed. And, you know, my children were amazing. They, they, we, we went to the bathroom before we got on the plane, and they didn't go to the bathroom again until we got home. And that was 3 in the morning. They were crying and exhausted, and uh, we were all really happy to get home. But uh, we, we didn't eat on the plane, and we you know, wiped everything down, and we really kept our distance. And, you know, I think there's a sense of relief for people who are here in Toronto. I, I, I was talking to a woman who's a principal in York Region, and she was telling me, I said, you know, the good thing here is most, most of your friends probably have or your children have their friends here in Toronto. And she said, you know, surprisingly, we know people that have gone away to Costa Rica and uh, to Mexico. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, they're going to self-isolate when they get home. But this is why the schools have had to close, because there are still people. I can't, I mean, I, it's hard for me to believe that anyone would go away now. But she was telling me there, there are some kids from her, her child's school who did choose to go away. Obviously, they're probably coming home now, given what the government is saying. But um you know, I feel there's a sense in Toronto, as at least we're here, we're home, and uh, it, yes, I mean, it can get worse, but how much worse can it get at this point, as far as uh, we've had a lot of bad news in Yeah, I, I want to talk about something else, and, and that is this whole, you know, this this sort of knee-jerk reaction I think a lot of people have, and I, you know, as a, as a news guy, I think I have it too, which is like, if you know, if the whole world is telling me to do A, I'm going to just gonna do B, because... And I think there's an element of that out there. I've seen this on social media. People are like, ah, you know, ignore the panic and going out to bars anyway. And no, I, yeah. I just, I, I just, and I, you know, I wonder how we combat that. No, I mean, I think that's why, you know, we, I'm, I'm sitting here on Spadina Avenue right now and I'm looking around and there are a num- number of restaurants that have shut their doors. Gymnasiums, as you know, fitness centers, they've shut their doors. And, and I think that those are... That's smart because people, you know, even the coffee shops, as you know, they've removed their tables so that they don't encourage people sitting around and loitering. People can still go and pick up their coffee without having to go and sit amongst a crowd. And, you know, I don't know about you, but as a newscaster, I've been having people say to me over the last week, you know, uh, you guys have made it worse. And And I say, no, you know what? I've been in the meetings with you every morning since January um, when, when coronavirus was back when we called it the coronavirus before it was COVID-19. And we've had a very measured approach about not scaring people and having and not creating a panic. But now we're at a different point where, you know, uh, it really is a, a pandemic. This is this is real. And I think it's it's hard for everyone. It's scary. It, it is a scary time, but we have to be measured. And I don't want to scare people. And at the same time, I, I think people need to be careful and they need to stay away from crowds and crowded places. And uh, no one wants to be in an airport right now, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, so you have the younger kids. Um, what about play dates? What's your feeling on play dates? Yeah, I mean, you know, so I have some neighbors and they have two little children. They haven't been traveling. I, I you know, like I was just with three other families in BC, and I feel like I know where those kids were. But I, I, before my kids have playdates with other kids, I want to know where they've been. Uh, I want to minimize the exposure to a lot of kids. So you know, we may we may play with the kids who are the next, you know, a few doors down. 
but that might be it this week uh, and for the next few weeks. I, luckily, I have two little girls, and they're very close in age, so, so they play really well together. And I'm encouraging um, my my nanny to keep them at home. And if they go out, I don't. I, I want them. My four year old is still too young to understand the concept of not touching your face. You know, she likes to. Uh, she still touches her face, and so I can't control if she, if she goes to the playground. She's going to touch her face. We know that the virus can live on a surface, so I'm um, I'm encouraging my nanny to take them out for fresh air and maybe on their bikes, but not to the not to the playground because they don't understand the concept of washing their hands when they're that little. It is going to be a, a very different kind of month ahead, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Catherine McDonald, our global news reporter, always great having you on the program. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Alan. Bye bye. So, so much to think about there, you know, with that whole play date thing and, you know, you, Catherine talking about yeah, younger kids and then, you know, I, I have a, I have a 14 year old and, you know, that's a different kind of, that's a different kind of thing. And I have an 11 year old and that, that's a different kind of thing too. You know I mean? They, they're, they're both at ages where they understand that something, if this is, this is unusual. I mean, this is not just March break and, you know, and, and you sort of try and model positive behavior, but at the same time to try and say, well, you know, things are going to be different and we have to act differently. And, you know, this whole social distancing is, you know, it's a real thing that we have to think about. You heard Catherine talking about like, well, should we have play dates? You know, like the, you know, my son wants to get together with his friend. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more PlayStation will be the way to go. Let's just hope that like the Xbox Live doesn't go down because that'll be, don't be in a world of hurt. <laughs> and I did notice, I, you know, you talk about panic buying. I did notice this report from the Netherlands. So the Netherlands has, you know, closed everything down. They shuttered bars and restaurants and that, and that included Amsterdam's famous pod cafes and they were shuttered. And there was, there was a rush, a stampede to the pot bars as people just start hoarding weed because... You know, and meanwhile, we got reports that Ontario Cannabis, the uh, can- Ontario Cannabis Store, the online has seen a surge of interest and a surge of buying. So so there is that. I mean, I, I think that I can understand more than toilet paper. That I get. 